Okay, so welcome um, those of you who are in the room this evening, but also welcome those who are listening to this as a podcast afterwards. Um, this evening, we're going to have a bit of a think about resilience. Um, so for those of us live in the room, we've got some videos, but those videos, uh, the hopefully the audio is going to show up and you'll be listening to that on the podcast as well. Um, and hopefully you'll find that helpful. Okay, so this is just a quick video to introduce resilience. We all know that life has its ups and downs. Many of us make plans for the future that include the ups, finding a fulfilling career, meeting our true love. But we often don't anticipate the downs in quite the same way. When we're inevitably confronted with life's challenges, some of us appear better equipped to deal with them than others. We bounce back, we swim rather than sink, bend as opposed to break. This inner strength is resilience and it's a powerful tool to harness in pursuit of our personal and professional ambitions. Like any skill, resilience can be learned. It just takes some practice. By getting some of the basic foundations right, like sufficient, good quality sleep, moderate exercise, and by giving ourselves some me time, we can set ourselves up to thrive. Learn more about resilience and how to start developing it at axapppheealthcare.co.uk forward slash resilience. Okay, so this slide has just got some a few different types of resilience and kind of ways of thinking about them. Um, so as I as I talk through them, just kind of think about how some of those things actually apply to us as human beings as well. Um, so engineering, it's all about improving a product to make it stronger, uh, to make it more resilient. And there are things that we can do to kind of improve ourselves, to make ourselves stronger and resilient too. Plants, um, they develop to withstand stand the environment. So deeper roots in windier places, for example. Um, you wouldn't think those flowers could grow in the picture that I've put on the screen, which is just dry, dry land. And yet there's these bright yellow flowers showing up. Um, psychological resilience. So we as people have the, the capacity to recover quickly, our brains recover uh, and do amazing things. Our muscles, I always think this is such a, an interesting one that muscles have to be damaged. They're torn a little bit, as for example, when bodybuilders lift weights or athletes run faster or further, then they need time to heal, but then they're stronger and bigger than they were before. And I think that can be a bit like us, that that kind of difficult things can happen, um, bad things happen, but with rest and reflection, we can be stronger. And the pencil, the, uh, the little pencil, it needs resharpening. We can correct mistakes using a rubber, um, wherever you leave your, wherever you are, you leave your mark, and that's what a pencil does. It leaves its mark. But what's important is what's on the inside, not the outside. So that's a particularly boring-looking pencil. You can get some quite pretty ones, but the bit that's useful is what's on the inside, um, and that's true of us as well. It's kind of the inside uh, that's most important. And so, with all of that, we can improve ourselves. We can withstand tough environments. We can recover quickly. Sometimes it takes longer, and we can be damaged. But with rest, we can grow and come back stronger. I love this quote from Nelson Mandela, who was um, imprisoned for many, many years unfairly. Do not judge me by my success. 
judge me by how many times I fell down and got back up again. And there's some really interesting research um, from concentration camps that shows that those who survive had a meaning and a purpose. They accept the reality of how things are, not think about how they wish things were. They find contentment and joy and gratitude, even in those difficult places. And they have values and no one can take your values away from you, no matter what they do to you. So sometimes, like you know, people will say things like, oh, just think positive and think optimistically. Actually, that research around the most difficult and awful of places showed that the survivors often it was accepting how things were, even when they weren't great. Um, so this is a really um, interesting video about the term anti-fragile, um, which was coined by uh, a writer called Nassim Nicholas Taleb. Um, and he's written five books about coping with uncertainty. And one of them is called Anti-Fragile, um, which he says is kind of almost beyond resilience or robustness. Um, so this video explains it quite nicely. Hey guys, what's up? This is Brian with another Optimal Living 101 video. Today we're going to talk about the important question, are you fragile or anti-fragile? Anti-fragile, what a beautiful word, coined by Nassim Taleb in his great book, Anti-Fragile. So I'm only halfway through the book, but this is quickly becoming a theme of mine uh, for this year and for my life. And I want to share some thoughts with you. We'll unpack these ideas throughout the year. But let's take a quick look. You can be fragile, you can move from being fragile to being robust, and you can move from being robust to being anti-fragile. So if you're fragile, you basically break under pressure. Yikes. If you're robust, you can handle pressure. But if you're anti-fragile, you actually thrive under pressure. You get better. The more pressure there is, to a certain limit, of course, the better you get, the stronger you get. You don't break, you get stronger. Really cool idea. It's related to what scientists talk about with post-traumatic stress, fragility, and post-traumatic growth, anti-fragility or anti-fragility. Really, really powerful stuff. So we want to be aware of where we're showing up in the spectrum. Are we fragile? Are we robust? Are we anti-fragile? The fragilista, as Taleb calls them, hates disorder. They seek stability by trying to stabilize the environment. Well, leads to a lot of challenges we'll talk about in future videos, but the anti-fragile individual seeks stability by embracing challenge and randomness. Big difference between those two. So see where you're showing up. Fragility, anti-fragility, and here's a way to think about it. Taleb tells us, wind extinguishes a candle and energizes a fire. Pretty powerful idea. Wind extinguishes a candle and energizes a fire. Let's become a strong, not just robust, but anti-fragile fire, rather than a little flickering fragile candle. We will uh, talk more about this throughout the year, but wanted to share this quick idea. Are you fragile or anti-fragile? What can you do to move? across this spectrum, embracing some more disorder in your life, which wanted to thrive under pressure more soon. Have an awesome day. See ya.
very American, <laughs> for which I I mildly apologise. But um, and I think you know there are times and there are reasons when we can kind of fit into any of those sections. Um, and some of you will have hear, heard of like the growth mindset as well. And I think that's something that kind of fits in with that, that if you can have a growth mindset of kind of using experiences to help you grow and change, then that's part of being anti-fragile. Um, and I'll kind of share a little bit more of my sort of personal story and kind of a, um, I guess my story over the last five years of, is of a, a point of extreme fragility and how that kind of helped me actually move through into being more anti-fragile. But I'll share a bit more of that later. Um, Okay, I just wanted to touch on this briefly, just because it has um, such a massive impact on kind of, uh, you know, it, it probably some of these will affect quite a few of us. Um, it will affect the, the people that we work with. Um, and so adverse childhood experiences, it's quite possibly something that's been kind of mentioned in lectures at some point. Um, and it's it's a fairly new concept, but if you think of those kind of that list of of uh, experiences on the screen, a lot of people will have experienced one or more of them. Um, so there's abuse, neglect, partner violence, domestic abuse or substance abuse in the home, losing a parent through separation, divorce or death, racism, gender or other discrimination, being bullied, living in the care system, being in a war zone. Um, and there are some more, I believe, as well, a few more. Um, and the kind of studies show that 40 percent of people have experienced two or more of those and 12% of experience, four or more. And I think it's four or more when it starts to have a really significant impact on, on people. Um, and so, as I say, those, some of those things are going to impact a lot of us. They're going to impact some of the people we work with. Um, and, and how does one recover? And I think having somebody who is caring and provides meaningful moments and praise. So, I mean, that's something, you know, when we're working with children, we can be that adult that that provides, um, you know, some time, some attention uh, and praise, uh, as well as something that perhaps we may need to seek out for ourselves at times. Telling your story, so allowing people to speak about what has happened to them is really important or telling what's happened to you sharing and having support and then accepting and forgiving accepting what's happened to you um and knowing that you're amazing because you've come through and you've survived so these issues from our childhood can have a massive impact but supportive relationships the research shows and talking about our experiences can make a really big difference and help us um begin to recover uh, and there's a link to um, a video on that that I've got that I'll share in the, the podcast um, information afterwards. OK, so in a moment, I'm just going to stop the recording so those of us that are here live can have a, a quick chat about a few things. But if you're listening to the podcast, maybe you could just pause it for a few moments and think about these few questions. So is anyone immune from hard times? What does resilience mean to you and how do we become resilient? What helps us bounce? 
Okay, so hopefully if you are listening on the podcast, you've had a little think about those questions um, too. So in the room, we talked a little bit about hard times that probably nobody's immune from them. You might have been lucky so far, but everybody goes through hard times at some point. Um, Hard times are different for everybody. Something that I find hard, you might not. But having that kind of, you know, the, the privilege, the support, um, the safe, warm home to go back to at the end of the day, those kind of things can make a really big difference to how we manage hard times. Resilience, um, we talked about it being kind of a positive outlook, seeing the best in situations, using our kind of strategies and skills, um, but also accepting what you can control and what you can't. And that kind of led into the kind of becoming more resilient there's something around practice and maturity and that it comes with time but there's something about knowing what skills you have and kind of using them and knowing when to persevere and when to kind of let go and there's also various kind of practical things um which uh, are really good for kind of building your your basic resilience as well um, so things like sleep, meditation and mindfulness and uh, being aware if you're kind of coming close to, to burning out a bit and stopping and taking a break. Um, having people who understand you and support you, those good relationships uh, and, and journaling as well. So those are kind of just a few of the, the practical things um, that can really help to, to build resilience as well. Okay, I'm just going to share my screen again and we're going to start with a video um, of uh, JK Rowling um, talking about uh, kind of some of her, basically kind of talking about her experience of kind of failure. Um, And I know that there's been a a lot of things said about J.K. Rowling kind of over the last few years. Um, But I think what she's got to say is interesting around kind of her experience of failure um, and how it helped her to kind of get determined to succeed. So we're just going to have a listen to that. Seven years after my graduation day, I had failed on an epic scale. An exceptionally short lived marriage had imploded and I was jobless, a lone parent, and as poor as it is possible to be in modern Britain without being homeless. The fears that my parents had had for me and that I had had for myself had both come to pass. And by every usual standard, I was the biggest failure I knew. Now, I'm not going to stand here and tell you that failure is fun. That period of my life was a dark one. And I had no idea that there was going to be what the press has since represented as a kind of fairy tale resolution. I had no idea then how far the tunnel extended, and for a long time, any light at the end of it was a hope rather than a reality. So why do I talk about the benefits of failure? Simply because failure meant a stripping away of the inessential. I stopped pretending to myself that I was anything other than what I was and began to direct all my energy into finishing the only work that mattered to me. Had I really succeeded at anything else, I might never have found the determination to succeed in the one arena where I believed I truly belonged. I was set free because my greatest fear had been realized 
and I was still alive, and I still had a daughter whom I adored, and I had an old typewriter and a big idea. And so rock bottom became the solid foundation on which I rebuilt my life. You might never fail on the scale I did, but some failure in life is inevitable. It is impossible to live without failing at something, unless you live so cautiously that you might as well not have lived at all, in which case you fail by default. Failure gave me an inner security that I had never attained by passing examinations. Failure taught me things about myself that I could have learned no other way. I discovered that I had a strong will and more discipline than I had suspected. I also found out that I had friends whose value was truly above the price of rubies. The knowledge that you have emerged wiser and stronger from setbacks means that you are, ever after, secure in your ability to survive. You will never truly know yourself or the strength of your relationships until both have been tested by adversity. Such knowledge is a true gift. Okay, so I like I like this this image and this quote. Uh, we've got Tigger, bouncy as you can get. Life is not about how fast you run or how high you climb, but how well you bounce. Um, I think at this point, I'm just going to share a little bit of kind of my own story. So about five and a half years ago, I was diagnosed with depression and anxiety. And at the time I'd come out of teaching um, and started working uh, in my church office. Um, it was a job that very quickly was turning into an absolute nightmare with some really awful people and absolutely toxic environment. And what made it worse that it was working for my church, so it was directly impacting my work. Um, a lot of my friends were at church, so the, the kind of thought of, well, if I leave this job, I'm going to have to leave the church and I'm going to lose all my friends um, and my spiritual life as well. It just impacted everything for me. And I spent weeks just crying or not to cry. It really, really broke me. Um, and for a while I kind of I persevered you know I was looking for a way to somehow make it work I sought various help of course my friends are not so shallow that they would just dump me because I was going through a hard time or even if you know I left the job and the church and, and my friends really rallied around me and were a brilliant support my family were a really good support um, and so that was that kind of really chimes with that point that we were talking about earlier that if you've got the privilege of those good support networks it helps you because I dread to think what state I would have been in otherwise um, but after about two, three months of just being incredibly, incredibly depressed, um, so anxious that I would have panic attacks every time I went to um, work, I kind of realised that I couldn't carry on like this. Um, so that was the point where I kind of I felt really, really fragile. I felt like I'd been broken. Um, and so I quit the job and I kind of spent some time kind of putting myself back together again I had a few um, months where I didn't work at all which again is, is privilege because I know not everybody can afford to do that um, and for me I did a lot of those practical things like exercising eating right resting and sleeping a lot 
And as I came out of it, this is where the kind of anti-thragile bit comes in for me, the kind of growth mindset that actually kind of things that now are really, really important to me have all come out of that time as I kind of put myself back together. So I applied for and got a job as an SLTA um, and with an absolutely wonderful supportive team who just rebuilt my confidence from absolutely nothing. And that led to being an SLT student and in a few short weeks, all being well, I'll have finished and pending registration, I'll be qualified and I'll be back working in that same wonderful team that I left two years ago. Um, and this that I'm doing this evening is like one session of a longer course, which is all about mental health and well-being. And that's something that I picked up running about two years ago. And again, it's something that I wouldn't have done had I not had such a bad experience. So it is not to say that I've I do feel like I've bounced forward and not bounced back. I'm I'm better and stronger than I was. And it doesn't mean that I don't have bad days and that I don't have hard times because I do. Some days I'm anxious and depressed. It's a bit like a lingering ache if you've broken a wrist. You know, that wrist might ache for for months or years to come. Um, but I'm better and stronger than I was before. Uh, and there are things that I've done, particularly in the last two years as a as a student on the MSc course that I, I never thought that I would ever do. Um, just wanted to touch a little bit on my research project this year. Um, so many of you will know that I've done my dissertation research project on anxiety and SLT students on placement. It's not yet complete, it's not yet signed off, so I'm limited in how much I can talk about it at the moment. And also it's worth putting in that caveat that um, people volunteered to fill in the survey, it's anecdotal and qualitative, so that you know there may be a certain amount of, of, of bias within it. But from the 152 people who filled in my survey, there was a significant number of SRT students who experienced anxiety even when they weren't on placement. And even more experience it when they are on placement. So straight off, if you're feeling anxious about placement or your new job for those of us graduating soon, it's OK. It's normal. It's to be expected. It's not you that's that's got a problem. It's normal. Um, and then a few tips. So one of my questions was specifically around starting placement. Um, and I, but I think a lot of them are relevant for uh, starting a new job too. So get pre as prepared as you can beforehand. So that can include reading up on the caseload, revising relevant lectures, planning practical things like how you're going to get to your placement or you, your new job. Ask for specific advice so that you can be prepared. Um, have a practice of any assessments that you can do or create crib sheets for some of the information that you're going to need. Remember, all of this is, is kind of suggestions that a number of, of students have made, kind of talking about how they've looked after themselves while on placement. So they've said, look after yourself, self-care, eat well, sleep well, go for walks in the countryside if that's what you like, protect some me time, but do things that you're going to enjoy. Think positive. Don't overthink things. Try and enjoy it. Be open minded and relative, ready to learn. You will be OK. 
seek support from other people, friends, family, other students, other newly qualified, from your practice educator or your mentor, but seek support from others when you need it. Be reflective. Now, when this came up in my research, it almost made me laugh because you need drum it into us. Um, but actually, it's really helpful to process and learn from experiences. And I've really found that on this placement that we're just coming to the end of myself. Um, do it verbally, do it in writing, do whatever helps for you, but do it. It's definitely um, worthwhile. And remember, it's a learning experience. You're not expected to know everything straight away. Uh, and on the Salt Sock Twitter account, we asked for some more tips around placement as well. Um, and so some of these were some of the ones that came back. So take each task one at a time and celebrate the small win wins. It can feel overwhelming. Uh, be interested and ask questions. Um, and particularly for those going on placement, even if you don't think it's necessarily an area that you want to work in, a good placement might just change your mind and you can still learn things that are relevant to wherever you end up working in the future. Be open-minded and willing to learn. Don't be afraid to jump in the deep end, have a go at things. You know, if you're asked to do an assessment, give it a go. You're in a safe environment. You know, 99% of your placement educators will be kind and supportive and look after you. Be inspired and learn by how they do things, but do watch out for negative educators. So as I say, this was something that was mentioned on, on the Twitter account. Um, I've not really come across any negative educators. Uh, but, you know, it is something that's possible. And if you do fi find someone that that you're struggling with, then talk to your placement tutor about it. And then a few things that you might want to try while on placement or when you're starting your new job that will help your um, kind of resilience. So create a gratitude journal, write three things each day that have gone well or that you're grateful for celebrate the good i like the twist on this so write three things that you've done well today doesn't matter how big or small they are so it might be that you wrote some notes for the first time or it might be that you did a small part of a of an assessment whatever it is look for those things that you've done well and try and do something for yourself every day whatever works for you even if it's a little thing a walk getting outdoors taking a bath reading for fun I don't know about the rest of you, but I feel like I've stopped reading for fun these days and I'm looking forward to be able, being able to do that a bit more. But, you know, after you've finished listening to this, why not give one of them a, a try this evening? Um, I think one of one of the things that I've kind of think about and I haven't actually got the image for this, but if you think about like a bucket and you're filling it up with um plastic balls and those plastic balls are everything that happened to you so it can be the good things it can be the difficult things um it anything that happens during the day is kind of going into that bucket and if the bucket overflows that's when you're you're starting to struggle and you're not going to cope so well however if you can do those things to look after yourself then you're taking those balls back out of the bucket and just giving yourself that ability to cope and I think rather than kind of wait until the point where you're struggling, the biggest piece of advice is try and put some of these things in place early on to look after yourself, um, because then they'll keep your bucket with a bit of space in it so that it's not full all of the time. 
need to kind of let some of the some of the rubbish out so that you can kind of cope a little bit better. Um, I'm just going to end with one final video. Uh, which is just a really nice summary of resilience, why we need it and some of the things to boost it. What is resilience? In short, resilience is the ability to cope when something goes wrong. From our ancestors' instinct to survive to modern day stresses and strains. Our resilience has helped us to bounce back when things haven't gone to plan. But what does resilience look like? People who are more resilient are likely to be better at solving problems, ask for help when they need it, and have a can-do attitude. People who are less resilient are likely to struggle under pressure, experience symptoms of anxiety and depression, and often feel deflated and hopeless when things go wrong. So what can you do to boost your resilience? One, break the problem down. It'll be much easier to manage in smaller pieces. Two, focus on the positives. It'll help you feel more optimistic about finding a solution. Three, build and use your support network. Whether it's friends, family or colleagues, it's good to have someone in your corner. Four, look after yourself. It'll help you refocus, making you feel more confident and in control. Five, know your limits. If we take on too much, we can feel overwhelmed and unable to cope. Resilience is a skill that you can develop and it takes practice. Over time, you'll become better and better at resolving problems when they arise. Try these five tips to boost your bounce back ability. Okay, so this is the, the end of the, the podcast section. Um, if you've listened to this and you've got any questions or uh, any comments, then we'd love to see them on the Salt Sock socials. Uh, and hope you found some useful bits and pieces in there.